Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen? And so are you! <laughs> Screamers, whatever it is you may be celebrating, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 73, and tonight we are joined by very special guest, listener Trey Dean, to discuss the homosexual electric shock thriller, Suck It. And also... We're going to continue on in our tradition of listening to me stoned out of my mind on Vicodin while my broken ribs healed trying to review movies. So we've got three, count them, three hurricane quickies. Yes, we're still talking about movies from the fucking hurricane. Deal with it. It was a big thing. A lot of movies. A lot of pills. Well, you know, the end of the world's coming, so I better stop flapping my lips and start the damn show, which I will right after this. It has been 130 years since the strange events at l'Opera Garnier. 110 years since the voice of Divina Dae was silenced by death. Still, there are nights when it is wise, messieurs, to walk with your hand at the level of your eyes. For his arm is not weakened, and his aim is still true. See what revives them all. See why you cannot have companionship. See, Eric, remember. That was the mask I pitied, Eric. Never the one I could see, but the one over your heart. What will he do when he meets a woman for whom the mask and the legends hold no fear? Who will stand and face him, even at his worst? No classic beauty, no divine voice but a power to be reckoned with in her own right. And what will happen when their life together, just beginning, is threatened? They will take the ghost. She is mine, and no one will take her from me. No one! Of Cerebin and Cherub, an alternative tale of the Phantom of the Opera by Sherry Compton Myers, coming in December. 2012. For more details, updates, and sneak peeks, go to www.ofseraphimandcherubim.com. There is no music without you, Sarah. Hey, kids! That's another episode! Isn't it great? Isn't it cool? Isn't it groovy? And yeah, you'd probably be surprised to hear this right now, but I'm off the Vicodin, finally. Yay! My ribs are doing a heck of a lot better. I think they're just about healed. Um, They're still a little sore every now and then, but enough that I can handle it with just plain all over-the-counter Advil. And uh, yeah, I stopped taking the pills uh, two days ago, so I'm going through withdrawal. Yeah, well, you know, they were heavy, 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 heavy narcotic type things. And I know Vicodin and all those opiates are the gateway to heroin. So I'm doing my best to get off of them as soon as I can. And as a result, my ass is dragging a little bit today. So I thought I'd perk it up by talking to you. Because you perk my ass up. Because you, you perk up my ass. You, I'll just stop there. That's terrible. That's terrible. 
So what's been going on? Uh, I don't know. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to listener Tommy Morningstar for the Christmas present that he sent me, even though he sent somebody else's Christmas present. It's a long story. I know, we know, I know what happened. He knows what happened. And I appreciate the thoughts. Silly boy. He doesn't know that my name is not my name. And I'm going to leave that enigmatic statement right there. So I don't have a heck of a lot to report about the last couple of weeks uh, just because I've been laid up. I've been taking it easy and uh, not running around too much, and I haven't experienced too much. A lot of sleeping, a lot of tripping, balls, and all that stuff, and lots of stuff I just flat out don't remember. So uh, what has been going on is I've been eating up this TV show once upon a time like candy. I've been watching it on Netflix because, you know, I just, I've been, it sounded so stupid. The concept sounded so stupid that I said, I'm not watching this when it first started. And by the time it got, you know, towards the end of the first season and I started hearing all the buzz that it was this great show, I tried to jump into it and I had no idea what was going on. But now that it's on Netflix, it is the best show ever. Well, I don't know about that, but it's got one hell of an evil queen. And, you know, oddly enough, that appeals to me. Can you believe that? Yeah, for you don't know what it's about, the concept sounds stupid. Even if I explain it to you, it's going to sound stupid. It's basically that fairy tale characters are real. They're living under a curse, and they're living in this reality. But the show goes back and forth between fairy tale land and this world, and they don't remember who they are. And it's all this mission, this woman's mission to break the curse and get everybody back to where they're supposed to be. And even saying that, it sounds so stupid, but the writing's really sharp. The characters are really good. The actors are great. And like I said, it's got an evil queen who loves being evil. And I love watching her being evil. Can you imagine that? I think this woman that plays the queen, I think she used to be on the show called Swingtown on CBS, which I loved and got canceled after one season. Set in the 70s. And it was all about a couple that started swinging. So she's a swinger and an evil queen. I like this girl. I like her a lot. I got to confess, when I first heard about the show, the first thing I thought about, they tried this before. I think ABC tried this before in the early 90s, maybe, show called The Charmings. And it was a sitcom, and it was the worst thing that has ever been produced in the history of the world. Well, I don't know about that because it wasn't – it was no She's the Sheriff. But, you know, it was <laughs> – it didn't have the star power of Suzanne Somers to, to help it limp along. But, yeah, it was like the the – the Prince Charming and his family living in modern times and living next door. Who the hell cares? Why are we talking about this show? I don't know. I have no idea. Um, so the other day, uh, I went to a screening of The Thompsons with uh, Rich and the members of the Dark Side Horror Movie Meetup Group at Times Scare, the only so far haunted attraction in the Times Square area, well, at least until Jekyll and Hyde opens and puts that shit out of business. Ha <laughs> ha! And The Thompsons is a sequel to the movie The Hamiltons, which is part of the first After Dark Horror Fest, Eight Films to Die For. And I liked it. A lot of people didn't because it was slow and not a lot of action. But I really liked it because the last 10 minutes blew my mind. This was not great. It wasn't awful, but it wasn't great. Like, the thing that made it work was the voiceovers in the original. And this, they said, hey, that really worked, the voiceovers. So let's have tons of voiceovers and confusing voiceovers. And by the way, let's add in an emo romance that goes nowhere. Who cares? Did you care? I don't care. There's a lot more action in it, a lot more blood, a lot more gore, a lot more boobs. So if you like that sort of thing, what? who really doesn't? You might like the Thompsons, but, you know, don't expect to have your mind blown. Um, but maybe you can get blown while you watch it. Did I say that? Yeah, I did. I did. I did. And speaking of getting blown, I had to sit behind Rich at the movie theater. And, you know, every time we go anywhere, 
he does something stupid. Now, first of all, time scare. I'm glad Bradford didn't come with me this time because I can't go there with him anymore because apparently this place used to be a porno palace. And we were there at some watching some magic show and the whole time he's going, this place seems awfully familiar. I know this place. I've been here before. And I get a real skeevy feeling. All of a sudden, oh, that's right. I saw strippers over there and hookers over there. This was a pornographic establishment. I was like, of course you'd know that, you fucking pig. Yes, a nice joint you're dragging us to, Rich. But no, he didn't do anything stupid this time. Normally he does something really stupid. But I just had to sit behind him and his big bald head. And it, just, like, it, it was silhouetted in the corner of the whole movie. So it was like Mystery Science Theater with the most boring, stupid robot ever. I love you, Rich. I love you. I don't know what I'd do without you. I don't know who I'd make fun of. Oh, yeah, Bradford. Never mind. So the other big news was that I had my concert with the New York City Gay Men's Chorus, our holiday concert called, not surprisingly, An American Holiday. And you're probably surprised that I haven't been pimping this out for months. Be- and the reason I haven't is because I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it or not What with my rib situation. Because really, up until the week before, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to do two back-to-back, two-and-a-half-hour shows, standing the whole time and singing, because it was just exhausting. I have limited you know, rib cage expansion. So singing was difficult. But you know what? I did it. And it was fucking awesome. And our special guest this year was Judy Collins, you know, the, the activist folk singer from the 70s. You know, I looked at clouds from both sides now. And I was just happy she didn't sing Send in the Clowns. If she sang Send in the Clowns, I'd have to kick her 70-year-old ass off the stage and shove her guitar up her ass. But I didn't because she didn't. And that was cool. Um, a couple of highlights of the concert was that uh, we were closing Act 1 with uh, – Holding out f- for a hero, you know, Bonnie, Bonnie Tyler. Yeah, Bonnie Tyler. I need a hero. I'm holding up for a hero to the end of the night. That whole thing. And uh, we were dedicating it to the heroes of the fire department, the New York Fire Department, for their work during um, Hurricane Sandy. And when I heard they're bringing the fire department, I'm going, why are they bringing in the chief? It would make much more sense to bring in the calendar fireman. And up until that morning, you know, our dress rehearsal, you know, our tech-in, rather, that morning of the concert, the chief was there. Except when the concert came down, out came the fireman from the calendar. And to be perfectly honest, it didn't matter what the hell we were singing because they started taking off their shirts and everything, and I couldn't see a thing. So I hope this video and I hope this cal- uh, uh, photographs because, God damn it, I earned it. Now, I'm not going to go buy the damn calendar when I could have seen it live, son of a bitch. Go fuck yourself. The other thing, and this is always a highlight of the show, you know, it happens every year, and our musical director, when he took over, was said, if you take this away, we will kill you, by the, by the patrons who put up money to keep us going. And that is, we sing Silent Night every year. Big deal. Well, we sing it with sign language. We sing it once in German, once in English, with sign language, and then dead silence, no orchestra, just sign language, and everybody cries. And we do a different spin on it every year, once, you know, Try to just try to switch up how, how it's all done. But and this year, their big idea was to teach the audience the sign language so that they could sign along with us. Isn't that nice? The whole community thing. However, our musical director surprised us at the last minute, like as we're about to do it. He's like, Oh yes, we're going to be dedicating this to the victims and the family of the Sandy Hook massacre. And I would be remiss to not talk about what happened in Connecticut on the show today, but I, I figured I'd, I'd break it in this way. Um, I said, okay. 
Okay, that's cool. I lost it twice on stage because the sign language, you know, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. Actually, um, ground your virgin mother and child. Once you get the once you get to the mother and child, the sign for child or baby is you know to cradle your arms like you're cradling a baby, cradling a baby, and all the other signs that we do after that, you know, me, uh, tender and mild. All those signs have to go to the baby to show that they're referencing the baby. Including sleep and heavenly peace has to be done to where the baby was, and then you keep cradling the baby to show that that's where it was. And I got to that sleep and heavenly peace, sleep and heavenly peace, and I'm cradling this baby so that I can look this invisible baby in the face, and I put my fingers to my lips to say, shh, and I wept both times because I could just see holding a you know, a dead child and how horrible this Christmas is going to be for so many people and every Christmas after this. And it's a horrible thing. And I actually even debated changing how I do the show just because, you know, it's horror. We're here to talk about horror. And, you know, what's, what's at the core of horror? You know, it usually revolves around death in one way or another, or violent death. And it felt weird. Um, but then I thought about it and I said that's not my take on horror and for my take on horror it's always been about survival I'm always interested in the people who survive and how they survive and that's what this show has been about since we began so I don't know what I'm saying but just so I don't leave you on a downer note before we start the show okay in between performances of the concert we got a special deal uh, that members of the chorus could go in and get a quickie dinner at the Lambs Club, the prestigious Lambs Club. And this is a supper club, and it's all fall, 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 very private, very swanky. So I went with Bradford and my parents and um, my stupid nephew, who's a huge pain in the ass, but we're not going to talk about him right now. Um, and what happened that really made this memorable was that there was a lull in conversation at a certain point. My mother said, so Patrick, so what else is new? And I couldn't think of anything right away. So Bradford chimed in, all happy and said, he's like, well, Patrick just bought a new pair of shoes. Doesn't he look nice in his new pair of shoes? And in my head, I'm like, that was the gayest possible thing you could have said. And there was this good five-second pause in the conversation after he made that statement that to me, read that everybody else at the table thought that was the gayest possible thing you could have said, Bradford, and it was really awkward. And I'll tell you why it was awkward, because it came, it brought me back to that moment of when I knew. Now, there was a book published a while ago where celebrities were talking about that moment that when you knew you were gay, that moment when they knew where they were gay or they were different, they were not like other kids. And I know I've talked about this on other shows, but I'm pretty sure I have never, ever talked about my when I knew moment here on Scream Queens, the podcast where Hari gets banned. And I think now is a good time to do it because if the world is ending on Friday, you should go to oblivion knowing this ridiculous story because you know why it's worth it to die without hearing this is criminal. Regardless of the fact that the world isn't going to end because, I mean, come on. Come on now. They probably, whoever was plotting out the calendar probably was just like, okay, I've plotted 85,000 years to the future. Is it time for a siesta yet? 
Are we done? Do I have to keep chiseling rock? Or can I take a break? Or as Bradford would have said, oh, you know, they're just a bunch of lazy Mexicans. I didn't say it. Bradford said it. But that's not the point right now. We're talking about my when I knew moment. Okay. We're going back in time. Picture it. Long Island. Approximately 1977. I'm seven years old. Maybe eight. Doesn't really matter. The boy who lived behind us. The boy who we were not supposed to hang out with because this boy was trouble. Dougie Walfogo. He was able to snag a copy of an adult magazine from his older brother. It might have been Cherie. It might have been Wee. It was something French. That much I remember. But he hid it behind our shed and said, Hey, if you like to see naked ladies, I hid this behind the shed. Because this is the kind of thing that Dougie Walfogo did that got the rest of us into trouble. That we weren't supposed to play with him. So, of course, I'm curious. So I got the magazine, and I gathered up a bunch of other kids from the block, and we ran across the street, and we hid behind some bushes. And there was this hushed silence, and, you know, oh, my goodness gracious. And who's going to open the magazine? I don't remember who did. It doesn't really matter. But we opened the magazine, and it went right to the centerfold. Beautiful blonde woman, probably not particularly elegant, but you know, I probably thought she was gorgeous at the time, but that's not the point. And again, there was this hushed silence and <gasps> gasp. And then the commotion began. Somebody said, oh man, look at her boobs. Somebody else said, oh, look at her ass. And someone said, oh, look at her pussy. And I said, oh, look at her shoes. Look at her shoes, is what I said. And there was that endless pause after I said that, where I realized all heads were slowly turning to look at me with an expression. Well, it was the first time I had seen it then, but it was not the last time, by far not the last time, when I said, uh, I'm not like the rest of you. I think it's time I went home. Now, in my defense, when I said, look at her shoes, it was not as gay as you think because I was bewildered on why this woman was completely naked except for a pair of shoes, a pair of high heel black pumps. It boggled my mind because I'm thinking, okay, how did that happen? Because in order for her to still have her shoes on, she must have gotten taken off all of her clothes, and then put her shoes back on. I was befuddled. I didn't know why anybody would do it. So that's why I said, look at her shoes, because I didn't understand why she was wearing them. But you know what? It didn't matter. It didn't matter, because that, ladies and gentlemen, was when I knew. And you know what else I know? It is time to finally start this show. So we got a lot to get to, so just sit back, relax, take off your shoes. Well, or take off your clothes and put your shoes back on. I don't really care. And get ready for a whole lot of holiday ho-ho fun that doesn't really reference the holidays at all. But that's not the point right now because it's going to be fun, goddammit. And we're going to start right after this. Filating my dog. Filating my dog. Filating my heart. Conquer Spaniel with his greasy rod. 
I want a swish in your hairy business. I want my clish in your hairy business. Smells like fried fish in your hairy business. At the bottom of your part, everybody. I want a swish in your hairy business. I want my clish in your hairy business. Good belt of fish in your scary business. At the bottom, at the very bottom of your part. Wow, that was gross. Even for this sleazy-ass back alley show, that was gross. And ladies, I applaud that. Uh, Listeners, my beautiful screamers, that was the inimitable Kinsey Six out of San Francisco. And they are... uh, the. They are America's favorite beauty shop quartet, and they're bringing their dragapella all over the U.S. all the time. So you should check them out. And that's Kinsey, you know, like the doctor, and six, like your six, not the number, like your six, S-I-C-K-S. You, you're smarter than that. You can find them out. Anyway, we are about to start the lightning section, or rather the hurricane quickie section, in which I am in a less than lucid state. Before we go into this, I'd like to just reiterate that the Scream Queens Horror Podcast does not advocate recreational drug use. This was not recreational drug use. This was medicinal drug use. And I also would like to say that, uh, that much said, the Scream Queens Horror Podcast does not endorse anything that I might say (laughs) during these reviews because I have not checked them for content. So I have no idea what kind of salacious things are coming out of my mouth. And if you are offended... Fuck you! (laughs) I didn't mean it! (laughs) It's the drugs talking, not me! And, I don't know, this is going to be the end of that particular segment for a while, hopefully, since I don't think I have not found anything else I recorded while I was in an altered state. Thanks be to God. That much said, let's get the review started with a look at... I don't know. I don't even know how this starts. Let's just start. In one, two, three, four, go. So the next movie I want to talk about is a movie which has one of my favorite titles that I've seen this year. It's a movie called Die. That's it. Just Die. And really when your movie has that kind of audacity right up front to tell me to die... Right there on the box cover. I'm going to give it some respect. So, let's take a listen to the trailer, okay? I'm sorry, do you not want to listen to the trailer? Well, too bad. Die! It is the darkest of all truths that we have to be at the edge of death to ever be saved. It didn't get much notice when it was published, but it started something. They are everywhere. They walk among us, they follow us. The trials. A person must face death in a game of dice. What's going on? We're not sure. Woke up here the same way you did. You need to come with me. You were chosen by the die. What is this about? Cast the die. Place one bullet in the gun. Spin the cylinder. You are going to allow fate to decide Robert's life. Five. Four. 
three, two, one. It's over. It's over when I say it's over. Okay, so you probably figured out by now the die is a play on words. Oh my god, this movie is so clever because not only is it about dying, the verb to die, it is about the noun die, as in not like what you do to your hair, girlfriend. No, I mean like the singular of dice. Because you see, in this movie, six people have been kidnapped. Now, actually, before I go any farther, this movie has a lot. And when I start to describe it, it's going to sound a lot like Saw. And a lot of people are comparing it to Saw. And even the trailer is trying to make it look like Saw. And to be perfectly honest, it's not. It's got some... It's just not. It's not about torture. It's not about any of those things. But anyway, the six people have been captured, uh, kidnapped. They wake up in these six booths. These glass booths right next to each other so they can see each other. They've all been branded with a mark. Little dots, one through six. You know, like a die. And they're being kept there by this dude. And he's not killing them exactly. He's letting their fates be determined by this sadistic little game he's playing. Where life and death is all determined by the role of a die. And, and, and they're determining each other's fates. It's kind of complicated to get into. But it's kind of intriguing. It sounds kind of lame at first. But after a while, I'm like, this is kind of sick. But here's what makes it, for me, rise above the Saw franchise. Um, the acting in this is really good. The villain in this, who is never hidden at all. He's right up front. You know, you, you see who he is right away. He, un he explains his reli this religion, this philosophy of his, the, the, you know, the, the religion of the die, or whatever he calls it. Die. The religion of the die. And it's probably no coincidence that he's got the classic Jesus look going on, like a well-bred Jesus, like those, you know, the, the standard white guy with the long, flowing, blondish hair, that kind of thing, and the beard. You know, like he must have looked growing up in the Middle East, you know, of course, because everyone down there is blonde with blue eyes, but that's not the point right now. But the acting is really good. The script is pretty tight. The cinematography is gorgeous, and the orchestration is lush. And the thing that really works about it, too. Um, it's jumping around in time a lot, and sometimes it's not, you're not really, because they're, they're flashing back to these people's lives and how they got there and what they did to deserve to be there and how they were taken. And sometimes things are happening not in the order that you think they're happening. And now you're going, Saw plays that game, but this was a little different. I just... I have to say it was it was I can't really explain how it was different. Not because I'm still on 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 Vicodin, but it's because it's A it would spoil it and B it's just kind of hard to to just put into words. But And here's the thing. I really liked a lot of the characters too. I sure a couple of people were a-holes. A couple of you didn't get to know well enough, but this one guy in there who's a detective, this aging detective who I found really engaging, and also there is a really cute silver daddy Dr. Bear that's locked up in there as well, and I was very, very concerned for both of them. Um, the problem with the movie is the ending, all of a sudden it gets bigger than it needed to be, 
it it goes off into conspiracy land and almost well, I mean, a religion like it's got a following, and this is happening all over. Sorry to spoil it, but uh, just went a little bit too far, and the ending itself wasn't satisfactory. Of course, there's like huge gaps of logic. Okay, let me explain this game. For instance, um, right off the bat, somebody strapped it to a chair. Another player is brought out and forced to roll the die. Well, she's uh, in this box that he opens is the die and a gun. And the number that he rolls in the die will be the number of bullets that he has to put in the gun and fire at this guy's head, Russian roulette style. And if he comes out alive, he's free to go. And if not, well, he's dead. And this man had nothing to do with it. And actually, the guy who's pulling the trigger, you didn't have anything to do with it either. It's all from the wisdom of the die. And this switches up with various different um, methods of death. And they're all in there for a reason. And I'm not going to give you the explanation why all these people are in there, uh, why they were chosen. But um, this one girl gets shot up with, I guess, heroin? And, you know, he's saying, oh, well, you know, you know, given this girl's body weight, she could probably tolerate three vials of, you know, whatever, 30, I don't know, three, whatever, three units of, of whoever he's marriage out the drug before she goes into arrest. However, whoever rolled got to give her a four. So she's in danger of overdosing. And, um, little spoiler, she doesn't overdose. However, she's like up and about and back in the action like that. And I'm going, hmm. That strains my credibility. There's also, there's a, there's a story about the, this detective's partner who's trying to find him. And that's, yeah, it slows things down a bit, but I kind of like the edge and reality and the, uh, the human touch that it gave things. I would really like to recommend this movie, but ultimately I can't. It's not awful. But it's so damn strong that the fact that it falters at the end just really, really hurts it badly. And, um, eh, rainy Sunday movie? Absolutely nothing else to watch? Then you can die. If you t take the risk and you watch the movie and you don't like it, die. If you don't listen to American View and watch it and you love it, die. Just die, 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 die. And that's not me telling you to die. That's the movie's title. Yeah. Ah! Now, I know some of you have been a little bit concerned because it really does seem to have been a very long time since I ripped a movie to shreds. And you think, hey, maybe perhaps Patrick's losing his edge. Maybe he's getting soft in his old age. Well... Let me introduce our next movie. It's a movie called Playing House. I wish they had been playing Let's Make a Good Movie, but they didn't. They played House instead. Let's take a listen to the trailer. You couldn't give us at least one week, just the two of us? His lease is up. Just until I make partner and the mortgage doesn't hurt so bad. Great. There goes every second of your free time. Danny's on a date. Oh, God! Mitch, this is Blair. She's with Danny. Good for you, Blair. You know a good man when you see one. They just met. Look, 
They're grown-ups. I do love your house. It's amazing. I want it. Blair wants to stay here. We don't even know this girl, Mitch. You're actually the first friend of hers I've met. You know... Friends help friends. You piece of shit! What is between me and Jen is our business! Do you understand? Can you turn around, please? I'm naked. I saw her friend today. She was watching me, Mitch. She was spying on me. You look like you need this. Now, if you saw any mainstream thrillers that came out in the early 1990s, you've already seen this movie. If you saw The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, you've seen this movie. You saw Pacific Heights, you've seen this movie. You saw, oh, what was that one with Jamie Lee Curtis? Steel Blue, I guess. You've seen this movie. This is your standard home invader movie. You know, somebody that you know, sweet talks their way into your house and then ruins it. We've seen it a thousand times, and this offers absolutely nothing new whatsoever, but it's presenting it to you like, hey, look at this really clever thing I came up with. Fuck you! Okay, so there's this two the doctor, I guess these two doctors, and maybe the three doctors, I don't know. Two of them are married. One of them, it's, and it's this married couple, and they're, you know, chubby, single, goofy, friend, comedy relief guy, all move in together, you know, married couple living with this, whatever, whatever, in this beautiful house, and one day, they hear bump a bump a bump a bump coming from their single friend's room, and they're like, oh my god, he's got a girl in there, and not only does he have a girl in there, he has the hottest bigoted girl on the face of the planet, like way out of his league, way out of his league. And, you know, this movie might have been interesting, but it felt the need to, like, put all its cards on the table right away and say, here you go. Can't even play Go Fish that way. It's boring. Because immediately she's like, I love your house. Oh, I wish I, I've always wanted to live in a house like this. Gosh. Ever since I was a little girl, I dreamed of being in a house like this. I, could, I just imagine, like, looking out this window every day. So clearly she wants the house. That's all she wants. So she fucks and kills the other one because he's like, oh, I really love you. And they go out for a while, her and the chubby guy, and say, I really love you. And I bought us a condo. And she's like, a condo? I can't live in a condo. I can only live in this house, but I die, 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 die. And now she wants to, like, get it on with the doctor guy. But the wife is the only one who sees through all her shenanigans and blah, 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 blah. You've seen it already. You've seen it done much better. And you know what? As hot as this girl is and the amount her titties are hanging out. Well, you know, her titties are about to be hanging out at any given time. 
you only see him for like a half a second. So even the titillation part of this kind of a movie is missing. I mean, even Fatal Attraction showed Glenn Close naked quite a bitch for those bitch, quite a bit for those of you who want to see that sort of thing. But this one, nothing. A little bit gore towards the end, but you know it's so over by then. I'm so bored. I'm so bored. This is like a TV movie with titties. Not a lot of titties, but enough titties to give it an R rating to make you think you might see something. Even the trailer's cut to make it look like a different kind of a movie. So you know what, Playhouse? You can play with my balls. You can play with my wrinkly, hairy balls. Fuck you. I kept waiting for it to take a twist, and it didn't. The twist was, ha, surprised you, we didn't give you a twist. We just suck balls. That's what your movie should have been called, not playing house. It should have been called Sucking Balls. And even then, I wouldn't have been any good at it. Ah, why am I Lucy now? This is what this movie did to me. Who wants to be my Ricky? And play my bongos. I don't know what's happening. And speaking of horrendous disappointments, another movie I saw was The Legend of Lucy Keys. And I went into this with a huge amount of trepidation, but I was seduced by the fact that Julie Delpy was in it. Now, Julie Delpy, if you don't know, she is a beautiful, gorgeous French international actress. French international actress. Yes, well, she does a lot of, lot of international cinema, and she's world-renowned, and she's a brilliant, brilliant performer. And I said, huh, what's she doing in this? Let's find out. And let's take a listen to the trailer. Welcome home. Can I go check out the barn? Yeah, go ahead, girls. Just be careful. Good to see some life around this whole farm. You city folks? Two hundred and fifty years ago, a little girl, Lucy Keys, went blueberry picking with her sister. What happened to Lucy? Tell me, dear, what is your greatest fear? To be something happening to my children. That's every mother's greatest fear. Have you ever heard anything in the woods? What do you mean? I don't know. Like, um, voices? Voices in the woods? This doesn't have anything to do with your ghost, does it? Something happened in those woods. Something unspeakable. Lucy, come on. Consider yourselves warned. Fuck you, Lucy Keys. Yeah, okay, so these people move to a farm. And there's a ghost. A little girl. Hooray. Do you care? I don't care. This movie was made for Lifetime. The network for women. Yet on the uh, um, Netflix description... It's got an R rating for strong violence, nudity, and gore, which none of which was in this movie. 
But you know what was in this movie? Brick Adams. You know, the woman I can't tell apart from those other two actresses at the time, you know. It's always, I can't tell if it's Brooke Adams or Karen Allen or Jessica motherfucking Harper. But she played the mayor of this town and she looked like, well, I don't know if she had a lot of work done, but I don't know. It looked like it had a lot of work done and it caved in. I don't know what happened, poor lady, but she's wasted in this movie. This movie's terrible. I didn't even know what was going on because, okay, there's a ghost girl, but actually we're really all about her mother and it's about windmills that they want to put in, but I don't know. Does the ghost against it? I don't know. I have no idea what Lucy's problem was because Lucy's not in the movie. And this is another one of those movies like the husband is like, I don't really think there's anything going on. Yet he stood there in the bedroom while there was a woman that you could see through standing in the window with wind and fire blowing out of her eyes and hands. No earth, though, because that would have been an awesome reunion concert, but not the point right now. Stood there, ah! stood there forever with flashing lightning everywhere, and he's like, I, I, that was probably, I don't know, faulty wiring. Fuck you. Fuck this movie. Fuck you, Lucy Keys. I hate it when movies that are made for TV somehow get repackaged and somehow get a rating that it does not deserve. Like, for a Lifetime movie, I guess it was okay, even though it was kind of incoherent. I don't know, still don't know what Julie Delpy was doing in this, because I got my eye on you now, bitch. I got my eye on you, so you could, like, butter up your croissant as much as you want, but I am not going to fall but this trick twice. Because you people hate freedom. I still haven't forgotten that. I'm going to eat my freedom fries with freedom dressing. And go freedom kiss somebody. I don't know who. Even though I get angry. When I get stuck watching some piece of crap like this. At some level... I do feel a bit of comfort because I said, perhaps I'll spare a couple of you from making the same mistake I did and wisely skip by this film. Except I find sometimes when I rail on a film, I'll get reports like a week later like, oh, well, your description was so funny. I went and checked it out anyway. And now I swallowed my own tongue and I am in a home for wayward women. I said, well, why'd you watch the movie then? I told you not to watch. And they're like, well, I don't know. I'm like, well, you know what? Why are you crying to me for? I suffer so that you don't have to. Thank you for indulging me in this moment of drug-induced self-piety. I'm going to get down off the altar right now before y'all start calling me he who walks behind the, the weaves. What? Okay, it is really time for me to lay down. So, let's see what else is going on in another time. We're time warping to another time now. Okay. These Lonely Places from author R.K. Combrink is a collection of short stories to make you dread the empty house across the street, to make you wonder what lurks in the woods behind the park, and question the smile of your kind elderly neighbor. Suburban horror at its best, these lonely places turns your neighborhood into a playground for all kinds of monsters and murderers. 
makes your workplace into a haunted house where ghosts and demons watch your every move. The urban legends are true. That noise downstairs is something to worry about. That abandoned house is not empty. Available in print and for Kindle at Amazon.com. Search R.K. Combrink or These Lonely Places or go to Amazon.com slash author slash R.K. Combrink. K-O-M-B-R-I-N-C-K. So the main feature this week is a little bit of a departure than from what I normally do. Well, first of all, I felt the need to get back to the gay roots of the show and look at some gay filmmaking. So I saw this movie a while ago, and I figured it would be worth revisiting. And I'd like to hear somebody else's opinion of it, because as far as I know, I'm the only person in the world who has seen it. And the movie is a 2007 sci-fi thriller called Socket. It was actually written and directed by an old friend of mine named Sean Abley, who also did the gay bread and breakfast, the gay bed and breakfast of terror. And you're probably wondering, well, who's the lucky person that you decided to talk about the movie with? Well, calm down, goddammit, I'm about to tell you. Joining me today, the one, the only, stud from Houston, Mr. Trading. I'm quite well, Trey. I'm so happy to have you on. I'm glad to be back. This is without, fun. Yes, without that pesky Karen Mack ruining everything. I know. I know. He's two dudes talking about socket. <laughs> well, we just went straight to the gutter, didn't we? Oh, we're just staying there. Okay. <laughs> Wait to see some things I have to say about this movie. <laughs> okay, good, good. Because I'm glad you, to- you have things to say. Because I actually didn't take a lot of notes. I took some notes. I took a few notes. It's unusual for me not to take a lot of notes. Yeah, I had pen and paper in hand, and you know, I, I took some good notes, so I'm looking forward to about this. For some reason, you were left with no burn marks. However, the current used your hands and feet as its escape route, so you'll probably have nerve damage in all four extremities. Jesus, that's Dr. Matt. What happened? I woke up in an ambulance. Someone was administering CPR, and all the others were dead. Life became very different for me, as I'm sure it will for you. You look about a thousand percent better. Madge, what is your secret? Well, I met a boy. What's he like? He's done a few things I haven't done before. I'm glad you could make it. You won't be disappointed. Hold my hand, honey. On the count of three. One. Murphy. Trust me. Two. Oh my god. Three. I'm looking for something. Welcome back, Dr. Matthews. (laughs) What happened? Did you do something? Okay, so uh, socket. Uh, you want to try to surmise the plot? Sure. 
Um, I mean, it starts off with a surgeon who's been electrocuted, and he's been he's at the hospital where he works at, mm-hmm. and as he's recovering, he has a really cute intern that they get a little bit of a love connection, and the he ends up being introduced to a group of people who have also been electrocuted, and they now have an affinity for it, and so it's about what happens when he starts getting involved with electricity, and that I don't know what you want to spoil about it, but I think that's the first fifteen minutes. Yeah, I don't want to spoil a lot of it either because, like I said, I don't know a lot of people that have seen it. And I don't know about you, but I think it's a pretty cool movie. It is. It's. I mean, if I had to describe it in one word, it was very Cronenberg-esque. Thank you. That's exactly what I thought about halfway through. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's because when you recommended it, I looked at the the, um, the synopsis and I was like, oh, I don't know. And yeah. I started watching it and it, it moves very quick. It gets to the meat of the plot really quickly. And it's just so damn weird that I didn't know where it was going. Yes, yeah, it was very, very original. You know, even though you could say it's uh, Cronenbergian, mm-hmm. it had a whole new way to get there. Because, um, excuse me, to clarify, like uh, Trey said, this doctor is uh, struck by lightning, and it turns out this intern that's taking care of him is kind of keeping an eye on him because it turns out he was also struck by lightning and survived. Yeah. And he's telling them, I, I'm just you know, seeing if you're going to be a worthy candidate. The doctor's like, for what? He's like, I can't tell you right now. But you're going to find that you're different now. Yeah, and he gives him the business cards. Like, if you want to, we meet, you know, twice a month. Come and join us. Yes, you'll find that just your everything's going to be different. Yep. And sooner or later, you're going to want to call us. And so so, so, how is he adapting to life? He's, he's not doing well at all. That's I mean, he, he immediately is in a malaise where he's just alternates between being really manic and just really depressed and feels like something's missing from his life. Mm-hmm. And so when he goes to this group, they're all very welcoming of him and very accepting. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, I want to say it didn't pump the weird factor up too much, but it was almost like a, like a self-help group, like an AA meeting. Well, that's what he said. He's like, I don't like self-help groups. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets there. But it's not, like, it's no. not, it's really like self-help meets Kind of a drug thing, because that's yeah. what it's become for these people. It hasn't. At that point, I wrote my notes. I wrote, this is Crash with Cock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that later, but that's just that's my notes. I was thinking about Crash. I was thinking about Crash. I'm like, it does have its Crash moments, although I don't think they did that part. No, they crash. didn't. I mean, it references different Cronenberg movies without ripping them off, but it yeah. kind of almost like little homages. Um, but yeah, he gets this, this group all just gung-ho about introducing him to the joys of electrocution well it's not even just the joys of it they crave it now even though they don't know they want that's the thing that they're missing they've been they've gotten a taste of something other mm-hmm. and it, of order as, as as they keep talking about and now they, they they just seek it everywhere like he's like the a constant theme in the movie is static exactly exactly all the tvs were static yeah he's it's, always watching static he'll sit there and watch it for hours kind of uh poltergeisty and it was almost like they're now, they have a superpower where they can take a lot more electrocution than a normal person would, and they almost feed off of it. Yeah, well, they feed off. They do feed off of it. They feed off of it, off each other. As soon as they come in, mm-hmm. actually, the guy who ran the group, Mike, that was Sean Abley. Okay, cool. And actually, I believe it's pronounced Abley. Now that I think of it, sorry, Sean, it's been like twenty years. But yeah, they yeah. just they you know when he comes in, he's like, we hug here. And when he gives him a hug, when he gives this doctor a hug, he just touches him on the back of the head and you just heard zzz. Yeah, I noticed that. And everybody's face, both of the faces go. (gasps) 
Yeah, like the little orgasmic, and it, it definitely pushes that electricity as a drug kind of idea. Yeah, but it, but as I say, it, it doesn't go the way I thought it was going to go. Nope. nope. The movie, I mean, for the first hour, it really starts taking some weird turns, and it just doesn't, it's not conventional. Just when mm. you think you've got it figured out, it kind of goes in a whole different direction. I agree. You know, and that's my only, I wouldn't say criticism, is that the last half gets more conventional horror. Yeah, I, I thought it kind of fell apart towards the ending, but we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, so, yeah, but, they, so, he goes to the group, and, you know, they start, well, since there's somebody new, we'll make introductions, and this is where it gets, like, kind of support groupy. But what it's really all about is just them getting off on getting shot. What do you call it? It was a generator? I don't know what it uh, I mean, I don't, I'm not a lesbian, so I don't know these words. <laughs> it looked like it was this big thing. It was a big electrical generator, and it had two big posts on it to set up the charge. One person grabbed one end, another person grabbed the other end. Everybody held hands, and they said, "Okay, ready? One, two, three. And the next thing you know, it's all these quick cut hallucination things and flashbacks, and everybody's sharing memories and ideas, and then they just party, 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 party all night. But yeah, the thing they- is, it's not just the drug. It's after the drug. After they have the electricity, all of a sudden he can function. Yeah, it's, it's like it clears his mind. And like the generator is almost on a shrine covered up. So they just yes. – it was like a, a, a place of honor. But yeah, when he gets electricity, he gets – it sobers him up almost. It's, it's like the reverse of getting drunk in a way. Yeah, well, I mean it was drunk for a while. But then after it was over, he's like, all of a sudden I have order in my life again. I can function. I'm not depressed anymore. I can do this. Look, I organized my house. Look, I did this and the other thing. I'm back at work. I'm doing great. Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, while this is going on, he starts dating the cute little intern guy. Yes, and and that was and that's one thing I wrote down. I really liked about the movie is it was a gay movie, but it wasn't a gay movie. The there was no gay angst, and them being their sexuality wasn't ever mentioned in the movie as being any kind of an issue. Yeah, you're right. I well, mean, just <laughs> well, except by his lesbian friends. <laughs> his les- yeah, yeah. Hurry the- up, fag. <laughs> yeah, no, he's got two great lesbian friends who are very funny one of them bordered on a stereotype but she was just so likable that I, I, I liked her yeah yeah. I mean she's the foul mouth one she's able to spew out all these like anti, you know, out of mouths yeah. of other people would be homophobic but every time she said it, it would be it was just hilarious and she, and had she the was actually fi- in I think she was in Bed and Breakfast of Terror as well okay see I saw that a year ago but I, I know I don't remember I find that movie hard to remember but I think I've also seen her do stand up on a uh, logo or something like that but she's very funny yeah, she is. I mean, she that real brassy, ballsy, bleach blonde hair. Mm-hmm. She was she was good. Um, but I liked how just they were gay. I mean, you could have done the movie with straight people, not changed a line of dialogue. Yeah, yet. yeah. So it was gay, but it wasn't hung up on it. Yeah. Well, of course, the fact that it was gay really helped the fact that all these electrical charging things seemed to really fuel up the sex drive. So there's some really, 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 really nice hot oh, scenes. Yeah. yeah, frontal nudity. All the way through the movie, and yeah. but it was also almost very casual. Like it wasn't like some movies have it, and it's pretty obvious it's there just to show some nudity. And this was oh, yeah. more like they're going to bed, they're taking their clothes off. Yeah. So it just—I mean, obviously, anytime you have nudity, it's there for the nudity factor. But this one felt more, almost more organic. To just incidental. Not, not that the nudity wasn't there at other points too. But no. yes, but you know, but yes, I agree with you completely. Yeah, and it was—it was nice nudity. Yeah, I got no problem with it. I have no problem with nudity in general. Nope. Uh, you I, I say, I say well, Scream Queens heartily approves nudity. Stamp of exactly. Approval. Especially um, cute guys. 
Yeah, and but the thing is, it starts to fall apart, and it turns out people, the people in the group, are like, well, every now and then you might just want to, you know, st- <laughs> stick a tweezer in a socket just <laughs> when you need a little pick me up. Yeah, if you can't wait, next mean you just <laughs> you just look around, make sure no one's watching. Pick and a that's where it starts to fall apart. Like this guy, the cute intern, is supposed to be monitoring him and keeping an eye on him. And I think that the fact that he got into a relationship with him, he was blind. Yeah, almost, on how almost, serious things were getting because it seems like these other people, for the most part, are holding it together. And when they start to go over the deep end, they're there to pick them back up. That's what I liked about it. Is I thought that once they start, like when he gets the first little high, I thought, oh, this this group's gonna be bad news. But it wasn't really. I mean, it, no, it's that no. it didn't go the conventional route or where I was expecting it to go. No. But there was that funny scene where he's at work and he's just really working with a with a fork. Oh, yeah. The he's he's trying to find of... anything to put in the damn socket. <laughs> and he's just having trouble bending the fork so he can actually put it in the socket. And that, uh-huh. Looking he's around. Up his tr- God damn it! <laughs> and then he's done. He's all happy and jumpy. And he walks by his boyfriend. His boyfriend looks at him like, you just did something. Yeah, well, they hugged. And all of a sudden, he's like, ooh, what did you do? He yeah. Felt- yeah. So I, Yeah, it had that little electricity. First as drugs, and then it kind of went to almost like a vampirism theme with it. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, going, yeah, because he, he, eventually he starts killing people. The first time it was an accident, he got jumped. Well, I don't want to spoil this part. Yeah, yeah. But this it, part was really cool, and we'll talk about this off the air. Let's just say when it gets really super Cronenbergy, he's a surgeon. He comes up with a body modification. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, why well, we going to end it there. That's going to help. The entire group reach new levels. Yeah, it makes with their, all with their growth. No, shut up! <laughs> I'm editing that out because I'm not spoiling that. Yeah. Because I was screeching. <laughs> it's really not a gory effect, but I have a real sensitivity about that part of the body. Oh, yeah. It, it feels very exposed to me, and so like anything about anything in that area just makes me itch there. So I was just like. Bleh. <laughs> It was, it was weird because it was freaky, but it was almost very sexual. Well, that's what really upped the sex factor because, you know, they're able to connect in this new way and they're getting the charge basically from each other. Yeah. And, of course, while well, you're face-to-face mm-hmm. and usually naked and it was like, it was just, uh, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. It's just it becomes, it infiltrates almost every part of their life. Yeah. And having and to get this... And eventually it starts destroying the doctor because he's killing people now. And now he needs it. He's sneaking out at night because it's like with drugs. The, the high's not enough anymore. He's yeah. more and more and more and more and more. And I guess also he's getting memories. That's what I was thinking too. He's from these people that he's killing. Which in a way makes sense because, you know, your brain is all electrical It's impulses. all electricity. Yeah. And that, of course, means he's being haunted by these people too now. So it's really interesting. Some it of the was. concepts that they come up with. It was. I only thought... It started because the first hour really impressed, gave me so much unique and something different that when it started to get maybe a little bit more conventional, it wasn't bad. But I was thinking, here's what's going to happen next. And I was kind of starting to guess it. Yeah. Yeah. And but yeah, it, it definitely gets it gets weird. And the what do you think about the main character? Because I always felt, I mean, it's part of the story, but he was kind of a dick. Or he just oh, wasn't it's your the... dog. That's what that noise oh, is. I've been sorry, hearing yeah, it click, 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 click for a while. I'm like, what? Your girl? Oh, no. Take, no. take, take off the beaded. 
I got a hand free. Take off the large bracelets when you're podcasting. Um, <laughs> the character is kind of a dick, but this is one of my problems with the movie. Uh, I don't like this main actor at all. Yeah. I think he's really quite horrible. Unfortunately, it doesn't hurt the movie, but there's something about him that's so – what I wrote, and I hate to write something like this because it's so mean. <laughs> but he kind of – he's good looking. Yeah. He's got a great body. But there's something about him that's like Frankenstein had a stroke. Dude, I wrote that he sounds like Putty, Patrick Warburton, with his voice slowed down. Yeah, but yeah, but he doesn't open his mouth all the way when he talks. He does this weird thing that he never looks at the person that he's talking to, and he. J- oh. Film acting is all about stillness. Mm-hmm. That's where the tension happens, and this guy cannot keep still. Okay, I've seen him in other things, and he's like this. He's just jittery. He's looking all around, and just like it's just, just, just the eyebrows are like wah 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 wah. Just simmer down. <laughs> Sam yeah, and, and because we never see him before he's struck by lightning, I was never sure, well, how much of his dickishness is because of what's going on, or was he kind of always like this? And no, this, this is the actor. This is the, <laughs> okay, the, That's just the actor. But fortunately, he's got a really great counterbalance in his little boyfriend, Matthew Montgomery, who is adorable. Oh, I was in love with him. Adorable, cute little scruffy beard. Oh, no. And, you know, big earnest eyes, and he just wants – he's so nice. Okay, yeah, he opened the door. He opened the door to some, you know, a Pandora's box. But you know, hey, he's he very like, yeah. And I almost like the main character through him. Yes, exactly. Seeing seeing the main good point. Seeing the main character through his eyes took a lot of the stuff that was really driving me bananas. Yeah. Uh, damn. What was I saying? Crazy white elf. Oh. <laughs> Frankenstein. No, no. When when you first meet uh, the lesbian characters and the one girl is taking care of him, mm-hmm. and she keeps quoting movies, and he says to his doctor, he's like, that's releasing him. He's like, "Oh, you have to excuse Carol. She watches a lot. She likes a lot of movies." And she goes, "Only the ones with crazy white women in them." <laughs> so I wrote crazy white women. That made me happy. <laughs> yeah, she, has, she has some good lines. She, yeah, yeah uh-huh. those characters grew on me. I wasn't sure about them at first, but. The more I saw them, the more I liked them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one the- thing, one thing. Through, this also made me laugh. I, I took very few notes, but towards the end, this is when I was getting bored, so I'm getting ha ha about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Some, yeah. Oh, the doctor when the the the, the woman doctor, mm-hmm. I think says it to him. She's like says it to the intern. She's like you know, no, she says it to um, the main character. She's like, you know, I think I think Murphy's been a really positive influence on you, and I said, and a negative influence. Literally, <laughs> yeah. science joke. <laughs> well, the, the female doctor when she first showed up, I was looking at her thinking she looks kind of managed. And I looked her up, and she's actually a transgendered actress. Oh, is she? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so okay, I, good for her. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I I was kind of thinking the same thing, but she's passing really well. I had yeah, that bleeding thing, but I just said, nah, okay, not a big deal. Not at all. It was not an issue. I was just looking up the actress, and I looked up. I think her name is Alexandra Billings, and it said she's a, trans, a transgender. I was like, "Oh, that's, that's good. Good for you, Alexandra." Exactly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so the, the boyfriend was really cute and likable, and I mean, the whole movie, I was, you know, I, I didn't want him to be bad or a bad influence. So I was hoping he wasn't going to turn out to be not evil, but just not, you know, a bad guy. Yeah. Well, he wasn't watching the gate, though. No, no, he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't. Not, he was not paying attention to what his boyfriend was doing. He let too much slide, and people died. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, he was just too, too, having too much fun in the shower with the TV. I love that. I thought that was great. Oh, is that what it was? I thought it was a radio. You see them having this, it's a slow, sensual shower, and oh, it's sexy, and they're hugging, and they're kissing, and they're rubbing, and they're lathering, and it's panning slowly down, and you just see, there's, <laughs> there's a radio. A radio. In the drain, in the shower. <laughs> Give them those shocks. <laughs> that was a nice touch of black humor. I forgot about that. Thank you for reminding me of that. Oh, no, yeah. It was, I mean, the movie had some, it was, it was funny, but it just, it was almost science fiction-y. It was very yeah. bizarre. <laughs> but I mean, all the, all the characters, with the exception of the main lead, of the lead, were just really likable and real. Yeah, I agree. I agree, which makes it really angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy works a lot. I've never liked him in anything. I want to like him. And just since he was the center of everything in this one, mm-hmm. it really hurt it. But not enough to make it a bad movie. Yeah, and it, it kind of helped that he was supposed to be off the rails a little bit, so you weren't supposed to have too much sympathy for him. Yeah, because there was a point like halfway through, oh, when he started really getting crazy, where I wrote, all of a sudden he transformed into Dr. Asshole. <laughs> where he's just yelling at everybody, yelling at the interns in front of the patients. And Thank you for calling down. I'm a surgeon, and you brought me down here for acid reflux? Fuck you! <laughs> I, I thought they went a little overboard with that. I mean, yeah, I know they're yeah. trying to... It was all he's becoming addicted and everything, but it's just the rest of the movie was kind of subtle with everything. Then he comes in and just plays everything at eleven. Yeah, yeah, so. there was yeah, exactly. I don't think he has an eight. No, no, he just he shouts all his dialogue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's so every time he talked, he just sounded like Putty from Seinfeld. Slow down. <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite part. As, okay, he goes, they, they go get juiced up at the party uh, at a meeting, and they get home, and he's like, I have to eat, I have to eat right now, I have to eat right now, blah, 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 so I'm going out for food. The, 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 the boyfriend's like, uh, okay, I'll be here, naked. Yeah. And he, it's like 4.30 in the morning, and the guy goes out to get food, and while he's out, he gets jumped <laughs> by a mugger. And in the <laughs> fight, he accidentally probes him with this body modification. Yeah. Which basically sucks him dry. Mm-hmm. And when he comes home, he eats his boyfriend. <laughs> Just like ate, devoured him. It was like, oh, not like literally, but I mean sexually. I was like, whoa. And the boyfriend doesn't think he went out, now he's back, and he's just jumping me. The boyfriend's just good to go. The yeah. Boyfriend's he's like, complaining. All right. Yeah. Of course, of course, you know, now think about it, the boyfriend's a perfect enabler. Yeah, exactly. I mean, or he just kind of willfully cho- chooses to ignore all the yeah, signs. I, right I think it would have been a big tip-off if he went out, got no groceries, and came back wired to the gills that, and did what he did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was some borderline rape stuff that went on there. Yeah, it was. It was really aggressive sex. And yeah. but I guess, you know, if it was good. <laughs> hey, get shocked more often. <laughs> but then at that point, it just starts to get a little bit more repetitious of just – Victim after victim. It almost yeah. turned into a little bit of a vampire story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wasn't really... The ending I, I got... I kind of did and I kind of didn't. Yeah, I mean... It, it just kind of stopped. Exactly, with one final shot that... And then one final shot that I said, that could mean a lot. And it wasn't a good... Um, what's the word? Like, open-ended ending? Like, yeah. Interpret this, it just went, well, what the fuck was that supposed to mean? And what, yeah, what was the point of it? 
Yes, what was the point of any of this? Because it looks like, well, I'm not spoiling it, but you know. Yeah. Nothing I mean, has been resolved. Exactly. No lesson learned. It's just almost like there's a little shock ending in you know, Friday the 13th that you have to have a shock ending. Yeah, so but at least you had some... a climax. <laughs> Several times. Well, okay. Shush. <laughs> Shush. <sorry>. Behave. Behave. <laughs> no, but I really, liked, I really liked all the fast cut stuff. Like, I'm not a big fan of fast cut editing. But the, the way they worked it in when every time they were juicing up, yeah, it was really exciting. And enabled the story, too. Like, there was a good amount of storytelling happening at lightning speed during that. Right. And it made sense, and they only used it for that. So it wasn't sprinkled throughout the movie just whenever they felt like they could do it. Right. And it was interesting, because when it first happens, he has a memory of it. And that's what I thought was kind of odd. I'm well, sorry? Not odd in a bad way, but it intrigued me that he well, has no memory. Oh, after his first time at the meeting? Well. Exactly. He well, blacked out. That's a, it was a big thing. Yeah. Just a big thing. And then, you know, and then that's never happened, Trey. No, I'm a good boy. I don't. Yeah, ever exactly. Lick exactly. Myself. You've never licked a. <laughs> you've never stuck your tongue I in a lamp. My fully <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> inside the inside the lamp socket. Just not since I was ten. Oh, <laughs> oh good. At least <laughs> I learned young. Yeah. Okay, Texas young. Okay, it was kindergarten for you guys. Okay, everything's bigger in Texas. <laughs> But, I mean, there were a couple of things that reminded me of Cronenberg, though. There was a couple of shots of him crouched in front of the TV, touching the screen. It reminded me a little bit of video drum. Video drum, yeah. So I didn't think of that. I was thinking Poltergeist, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that makes more sense. Yeah, because it's just all kind of ties back. I mean, But I again, the... yeah. Again, it was a whole different reason for him to be staring. Exactly. It's static. Because for a while there, before he found the club, he would just put his hand on the... On the, on the um, on the screen, just for that little electric that gets. He didn't even know what he wanted. He just he was liking it. What did I get a right answer? <laughs> what was that? What? You didn't hear that? There was a bell. Oh no. You're hearing things. Have you, have you shocked yourself? <laughs> shocked the monkey. <laughs> but I, I, this movie had to have been influenced by Cronenberg, but it didn't rip it off. It sort of made no, little gestures all. towards it. But it... as soon as I saw the first. The, the body modification thing emerging from where it was emerging from. I'm like, Cronenberg! Yeah. Cronenberg! Body horror! Because I'm screaming and clutching <laughs> that part of my body. Yeah. And everybody who's listening is thinking it's a certain part of the body, and it's not that. Nope. No, it's nope. not that. Makes more sense. It makes much more sense. And that's when I was like, I told myself, I have no idea where this movie's going to be. Uh-huh. I'm going to sit back and enjoy the ride. Yeah, so it was. Sure. It was a good little. It was different. Yeah. So I appreciated you know, most of it, and it was low budget, but it wasn't. Didn't look too cheap. I mean, obviously the setting, the lighting, but it was. You know, the, most of the acting was good, and the, I just it didn't feel like it was a very flat visually movie. No, not at all. So yeah, it was. I'm glad you recommended it to me. You're welcome. I think it needs some love. It does. Um, I was reading up on it. It won some a couple of. Um, film festivals, and I vaguely remember hearing about it, but I think because you can't sum it up easily, because I mean, when I read the synopsis, like I said, I wasn't that interested in it. The synopsis really kind of blows. Well, it, but it's the kind of thing that you can't really, it's not so much uh, about yeah. the plot. No, it's not. It's about this connection. Exactly. The electricity between them, and I do mean that literally and figuratively. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it is a lot, of, it's a little heavy on the symbolism. Yeah. 
but yeah, it's not too. It wasn't too bad. It was, it was ambitious and it was better than watching another slasher film. Yes, and it didn't have. Um, you know, it's a gay film that didn't have people walking around in white uh, briefs in a mansion <laughs> and the same mansion in every movie that we crank out once a week. Oh my! I, I saw one of those last month. I you said that. Why? We were what? drunk. We're talking about David Cocteau, kids. That's what 13, we're talking about. 1313. Which Heck. one? 1313, um, suck my balls. Yeah, Alien Invasion, bad acting one. Oh, that uh, one. Oh, God. That one with the bad acting. Where they're in underwear, but it's, t- it's droopy whites. It's like, let's make the unsexiest, quote-unquote, sexy movie. It's droopy whites. It's, I saw part of one once, and a man took a shower in his underpants for 20 minutes. I know. Thank you. Here's the thing. Dave Dakota in the 80s, he had no problem with female full-on nudity. Hello, and he made some great movies. Uh, Sorority Babes, the Slimeball Ballorama. Ballorama. Did he, he didn't do Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. Uh, no, 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 Nightmare Sisters. I didn't see that. Um, Nightmare Sisters with um, Linnea Quigley, Brink Stevens, and Michelle Bauer. Well, hello. If you don't have... It um, was a threefer. It was, yeah. And so now he's gay, openly gay, does movies with guys... And now he skimps on the nudity, and he doesn't even have a plot. No, no. It, it's like it's, I don't know who his intended audience is, but are we talking about him? No, we're talking I don't about know. him. I just read this funny, funny thing on IMDb, and I hate reading things off of IMDb, but this is funny. Um, okay, uh, the director Sean Abley said to uh, actor Matthew Montgomery, that was the boyfriend, mm-hmm. upon seeing the body modification. <laughs> The direction was to react like you're seeing the biggest cock you've ever seen. <laughs> and you know what? He did. <laughs> he liked it. Well, he liked but it. he was scared of it. <laughs> he was scared of it, too. But he was still willing. He, he well, was clearly. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> yeah, that body modification was it was it had some good special effects. Oh, it did. Just... I did. They were simple. You know, in my mind, because I said I saw it the first, I saw it once before. In my mind, afterwards, they were a lot gorier. Mm-hmm. Then I, I mean, they were not as gory as I remembered them, and actually, they weren't gory at all. But my <laughs> my mind colored in all this hideousness. But they were effective. It doesn't go the easy route of making it gory, or even it just it goes more. It's perverse. I mean, there's a certain perverse per- perverseness to this <gasps> whole movie. I also reading that RuPaul was supposed to be the Leader of the group, really? But it was too expensive, so Sean did it. That would have been. That would have been. I don't know. I don't know if I would have liked that or not. I if wouldn't she, have liked that at all. If she would have taken too much focus. She would have taken way too much focus. I like Sean. 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 I, I mean, I he was he was very warm. He was. I mean, meant to back in a compliment, but he seemed like he would be the kind of guy who would run some sort of help self help group. Uh huh. Because even though this really weird thing was going on there, just something about him made it feel like a safe space. Everyone in there was normal, and well, normal-ish. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, yeah, RuPaul would not have worked out. Nah, nah. Well, she's got other things to do now, anyway. Okay, Trey. I think. I have any final thoughts? Um, no. As I said, if we talked enough about this. I mean, it's it's a slight story. It's not so much the story itself, but how they do it. And, and it's the yeah, exactly. It's it's the voyage, not the destination. And considering I read that they filmed in I think five days, did they? I read somewhere like five or six days. It was a quick shoot. Wow, nine but days. It, it, oh, it, it comes across good though. It comes yeah, across well. It doesn't feel rushed at all. No, no, it and tells. it's obviously they have a low budget, but it still looks mm-hmm. visually interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, that's excellent. Thank you so much for joining me, Trey. Oh, thanks for having me over here again. You're very welcome. Anytime.
All right. See you, Patrick. So that, yeah, see you. So that's Socket 2007. It's available on Netflix. Check it out. And you can also read more about Sean Abley over at Fangoria, where he writes the Gay of the Dead horror blog. Boogie that's boogie. It? Huh? Sure. Is. Okay. He's everywhere. He is. He is and ubiquitous. I just, and I got to say, you're going to hate me for this, but mm-hmm. sock it to me. Well, I already said in my head that you know the porn version of this would be called Suck It, but you know it kind of already is the porn version of its own movies. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. Well, you, yeah, you you could make it pornier, but not by much. Pornier is that a word? It is now. It is now, and you you heard it here first, kids, right here on Scream Queen, the podcast for hard kids. Bad. Now get the hell out of here. Best story ever. He was going to. He had slit his wrist, and he did it the correct way too. You know, down the street, not not across the street. So um, he he was going to kill himself and give his soul to a local newscaster. And apparently, he didn't succeed in dying by midnight. And so he decided, ah, 
crew had, I'll call the paramedics and get switched up. And they released him on Boxing Day. Uh-huh. And that's when I got to work with him. And he was reasonably pleasant, uh, staying at one of the other apartments in the apartment complex. And we had to go down and visit his old apartment complex to, um, like, get some stuff for him. I'm getting confused, but yes, please continue. His apartment, you could actually follow where he started the event and where he ended. If you were to give me a bucket of blood, I do not think I could have recreated the scene. It was was very Manson-esque. So I actually had a a bloody Christmas. You did. Well, it wasn't mine directly, but still. Still? More bloody than most people's. That was grim. Now, if you ever look for a really horrible Thanksgiving, I do have a, a... you know, studying the night in jail on Thanksgiving due to no fault of my own, but that's an entirely different story. Oh, you know what? You just, um, just... Hope you're having a great day. I, I'm still looking forward to hearing what horrible movie you like that you would never recommend to someone that you still love it. Oh, and, oh right, I forgot. Um, you take it easy. If I don't, if I don't hear podcasty from you, then have a great holiday and a great you're New Year. It right now. Um, and. Uh, go me. I don't know why I added that. I'm Doc. just proud of myself Dick. that I got a job. So, yay, yay. Dick. Bye. Doc. Oh! Edward, 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 nice job. Ladies and gentlemen, Edward cut off at exactly the three-minute mark. I had my finger on my button, ready to push. Wait a minute, that didn't sound right. I had my finger on my butt. That doesn't sound right either. I was just about to buzz him, is what I'm going to say. But I didn't have to, because he finished in record time. You know... Edward, I guess part of me was really asking what I guess was in the subtext or I thought was in the subtext. Like, I wanted to hear your horrible Christmas stories that somehow had a punchline. This didn't really have a punchline. But you know what? It was a horrible Christmas. So excellent for that. And you know what? You know, I think I would enjoy Boxing Day more if it was Boxing Helena Day. You celebrate it by putting some girl in a box with no arms and like, I don't know. I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing. And Jesus, Edward, you don't just bring up Spending Thanksgiving in jail and then walk away. That is cold, because now I'm going to have to wait 11 months to find out about that story. You bastard. And by the way, apparently I keep calling Edward Philip in previous podcast. i just like to remind everybody, for the past month or so, I've been on drugs. Heavy drugs. And before that, <laughs> I'm just weird. And Edward, I have to say, since you're the only voicemail that I got this entire week... Edward, my little friend from Phoenix, you are the Scream Queen of the Week! Yay! Yay! Possibly the last one of the year! Yay! Yay! Good for you! No fucking tiara, because your story was gross and really depressed me. After a while, yeah, because there's nothing like the stories of the mentally ill to really bring down the house with laughter. Anyway, thank you for calling, Edward. And I guess when we're poking on... When resorting to suicide tales to keep us warm by the Christmas fire, it is time to wrap this puppy up for another week. So if you want to be like Edward and make this show even better than it was going to be anyway, do give me a call at 347-767-3509. You can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. Maybe I'll get it because I've been getting a hell of a lot of spam. Or 
You can like me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. And you can listen to us now on Stitcher Smart Radio. And go and download the app for your computer or your iPhone or your Android. And you can stream me and a whole bunch of other amazing shows and regular radio stations for free. And it's really cool and it's really easy and it's a really pretty looking app. Much like myself. I'm a pretty app. I'm a pretty app, mama. Okay, things just got weird. All right, I don't know if I'm going to get another episode out before New Year's, but I'll tell you this much. If the world does not end, the one thing I know I'm going to be doing next time, I'm going to be fulfilling one of my dark obsessions. Mostly because I realized I have not had that segment in like eight months, and I loved that that the, vo- the, the little sound bites that I put together to introduce it. And I said... Damn it, what have I seen? What haven't I... Well, never mind. You know, the whole concept behind that is something that I've, has haunted me forever that I've never been able to see for one reason or another. But this time around, I'm going to finally see New Year's Evil. I figure it's very appropriate for the show. And if you want to play along, by all means, please do. And as always, I take no responsibility when you play along at home if the movie turns out to be awful. So don't come crying to me. Because you know why? I don't care. I don't care. So, whatever holiday you're celebrating, keep it safe because I want to see you here next time. Um, Keep it happy. Make it creepy for somebody. And until next time, remember to keep the world a creepier place. And always remember, as my grandmama used to say, Boy, I sure hope that's an eggnog mustache you got on your lip there. But if I know you... And I do know you. That ain't eggnog. Lord, you do take after me. Bye! I go hunting for witches. Heads up, going to roll. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches!
Mine cry.、Mm-hmm. 